All right, good morning, everybody. We made it two Sundays in a row. I texted James last night, I was excited. I, I was ready to get to church, I was excited about the message today, and I was excited to show off my new socks. I have cheer wine socks on. I do. They're nice. Y'all can see them a little bit later. Uh, I was excited about that, and I was afraid I was going to have to put it off till next week, but I didn't have to. Uh, good to have everybody back here. I know we still got some that are, are sick, some that are shut in, so continue to pray for them. Um, I don't know about y'all, I think our numbers are starting to drop it over in Watauga. The school system is, well, I, <laughs> she just kind of gave me that funny look. I wasn't asking you illegal questions about HIPAA or anything like that. Um, I know that the numbers are starting to drop a little bit too at the school, so, and hopefully it is up here as well. So just continue to pray for those that are being affected, um, for our children as well that are being affected. I know we've got a lot, uh, a lot of kids getting sick now, and uh, so we need to be praying for those. Uh, if you will, turn over to First Peter. We're going to be back at it again today. First Peter chapter 1 this time. First Peter chapter 1. And we're going to kind of look at... Um, we're going to look at salvation for just, for just a little while this morning. It's one of the, it actually is the greatest thing. We talk about at Christmas, we talk about the greatest gift, and the, that was the gift of Jesus Christ by God. That's the greatest gift, but the greatest gift that we can receive is Jesus Christ into our heart, and that would be through salvation. I'd be asking him into our hearts. And I think we take it for granted. Um, I mean, you, you, t- you think about what we have, and... It's hard to explain if you've never been outside of North Carolina or outside this country, you don't realize how good we've got it. If you've ever traveled much, you realize that we're blessed. Whether you believe in God or not, once you go to these other countries, you realize how how much we take things for granted. You go back a couple years here, um, we took church for granted, not just salvation. We took our churches for granted, and then COVID hit, and what happened? Yeah, y'all are sitting at home, and I'm in here with a bunch of dummies and my CPR mannequins. But oh, you got it. Ah, she's slow. That was Keith and James were my dummies. And but anyway, so we took it for granted, and we start looking back at what Paul says about not forsaking assembling of ourselves together, and we realize we took our churches for granted. We took our time of fellowship to grant, for granted, and I know I talked about it a lot because I missed gravy. I missed those breakfasts, but it wasn't just the breakfast that I missed. It's the time of fellowship. We take a lot of things for granted, and I think we're actually starting to realize it now. And, and I told you, you know, traveling, you see things traveling, and you realize, I could go back to any of the third world countries that I got to go to, I realized just how blessed I am to be able to, have a roof over my head. When I was in the Philippines, that was one of, one of the things that blew my mind is the way they build their houses in the Philippines. Don't remember this. Forget all I'm getting ready to tell you, Keith. They made their houses to blow, to blow away. So when the heavy winds would come over, it, with the, the typhoons would come through, and it would blow the roofs off their house, they made them to be detachable. And then once the storm had passed, then they would just go out in the field and find another roof and put back on. That's the way they built it. I don't think that would fly here. I think it's what they call hurricane straps <laughs> to keep them on. But we have you, you go and you look at places like that. I can go home. Any of us can go home right now, and we'll find something to eat. Now, Abby would fight me tooth and nail right now for saying that because she swears there's nothing at home to eat, don't she? It's all, there's always nothing at home. There's nothing here for me to eat. There's plenty to eat. 
But you go into some of these other countries, and they really can say, I don't have anything to eat. When I was in Haiti, I went into the, or left the airport, and biggest mistake I made was giving a little girl a pack of crackers. Because once I gave that little girl a pack of crackers, it was like opening up floodgates. All those other kids wanted a pack of crackers too, and I didn't have enough to give out. And then you have to roll the wind up and drive cautiously because you could run over them if you're not careful. We take a lot for granted. We take our food for granted. We take our families for granted. We take our churches for granted. We take our salvation for granted as well. I think we forget about the goodness and, and the, thing that, the things that have happened through salvation where God has blessed us for being one of his and, and being a part of his family and that royalty we talked about uh, last week. And we, we forget about that. We take it for granted. There's a man that uh, he worked. I don't know where they work, but he and his co-worker had decided that they were going to go to the co-worker's house and have supper. So when they got to the house, this uh, the guy, got, they walk in together, and the, the host there, the guy that owned the house, he, he walked over, and he, he, he kissed his wife and said, Hey, honey, how are you? Did you have a good day? You look good. And he just really buttered her up. And they got done with supper, and the, the husband told her, thank you for such a great meal. You've done a great job. You look good, by the way. And so when the, the co-workers got done eating, and they went in the living room, they was talking. And that one guy said, the, the guest, he asked the guy, he said, why do you do that? He said, I just want her to know that she's appreciated it because she's had a long day usually because she stays at home. So she had a long day, so I just want to let her know she's appreciated. And the guy thought, well, I'll try that. So he leaves the house, and he goes home, and he, he sees his wife there, and he says, I'm going to give this a shot. And he said, you know what? Honey, you look great. The house looks good. You look good, and I love you. And that wife looks at him, and she breaks down, and he thought, oh, how'd this backfire? He said, honey, what's wrong with you? And she said, she said, it's just been the worst day ever. She said, Billy got in a fight at school, and we had to go pick him up. He got suspended. She said, I got home and realized the refrigerator was broke, and all the meat spoiled, and now you come home drunk. <laughs> he had taken his wife for granted. We take things for granted in our lives. And so he's trying to make things better, and it actually made it look like it was worse. <laughs> Many of us take our salvation for granted and like I said if you've ever been around people that are not saved it, you really think about how blessed you really are to be saved we don't understand the greatness of salvation sometimes we don't wonder at it and we don't we're not as amazed about our salvation as it was when we were first saved it's amazing and we sing about amazing grace I don't know if there is a song about amazing salvation but there ought to be because it is it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing gift that we have all received. Peter, in what we're getting ready to read right here, he's writing to the persecuted believers over, if you look at, at verse 1 of chapter 1, he's talking to uh, those at Pontus, Galatia, uh, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So he's writing to these five uh, groups that are being persecuted right now. And, and he's trying to be a help to them and try to be an encouragement to them. He's trying to remind them, don't take your salvation for granted. Don't take it for granted. We need those reminders. So today, I want you to see what our salvation entails so we don't take it for granted. Now, I'm not saying that I want you guys to pack up and head down to Peru for a couple weeks so you can just realize how, how good you got it here. I believe you could sit here this morning and realize how blessed you are. And it probably might even dawn on you how much you've taken your salvation for granted. 
So if you've got your Bibles open, stand with me just a moment. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10 through 12. The Bible says, Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow and to whom it was revealed that no that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the holy ghost sent down from heaven which things the angels desire to look into Jonathan would you open us up please Amen. Have a seat. First thing we'll look at this morning is it's salvation is a personal experience, and it's of God's grace. It's personal. That's why we always talk about being saved. It's about having a relationship. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. It's not because you were raised in a Baptist church or a Methodist church or Episcopalian church. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. So that means that it's a personal experience. To be saved, you had an experience with Jesus. He met with you. Wherever you was at, it was personal. He met with you. Grace is God's favor, and it showered on us. And we talked about this the other day. We don't deserve it. That's the one thing we don't deserve. None of us, as good a people as we think we are, as much as we think, as, as we go and we help other people in the world, we do, or in our neighborhood, whatever, we go and we do and we help and we try to be good people, we still don't deserve God's grace. Not a one of us that do. Grace is the mercy and love that, that God has given each one of us. And like I said last week, even those people that don't believe in Jesus Christ, even the ones that don't even think God really does exist, He still loves them. And we can't fathom that. We can't understand that. How can you love someone that hates you or doesn't even believe in you? How does that happen? It happens. breaks His heart when, those that, when they go on that they don't make it to heaven to be with Him. It breaks His heart because he, he formed every one of us. He knew us all, knows us all. And so when those people don't come to accept his son Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and they go to hell, it's broken his heart. But he still loves each and every one of us. Sometimes, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes we ignore him. Sometimes we neglect God and sometimes we doubt God and sometimes we fail to love him. He, when things happen in our lives, we lose a loved one, we lose a job, whatever it is, when things happen in our lives that are negative, we tend to neglect God and we don't love Him as much. And sometimes we might go as far as to doubt God, not doubt who He is. But we just doubt God was ever there sometimes. And that hurts. 
Again, that, that hurts him. Now, this, this whole list, I was telling you, that, that, that includes every one of us. Every single one of us has fallen into that category at some point in our life where we have just put God out over, just over on a shelf or something like that, and we, we just do not, just sometimes just do not trust him. Romans 3.23 tells us, For all have sinned and come short of, of the glory of God. That all, that's A-L-L in there, that's all. We're not exempt. We're all going to do it at some point because we're all imperfect. We all have this perishable seed that's been implanted inside of each one of us, and that seed is corruption. It's in our bodies. Our bodies are tainted with this incorruption, this, it's, it, or this, this corruption, sorry. We're tainted with it because of the fall of man, because of Adam and Eve and what took place in the garden. So we are, we're, we're eat up with it, and we... That little seed that's been implanted in each one of us causes us to go pretty quickly to the grave. We're all we're born to die. Every one of us is going to go at some point. And so this little seed that we have in us, it's making us go that way a whole lot quicker. But this is what the grace of God does. I love God's grace. It's a way that's been provided for us through Jesus Christ so that we could be counted perfect. That's what grace does. It allows us to be counted as perfect. Not right now, but a little bit later. I'm not perfect. By no means am I perfect. Absolutely not perfect. There ain't one of us in here that's perfect. Matt, you're close. You're really close. You keep trying, all right? (laughs) Keep pecking away. But if we keep thinking about this, if you think about us not being perfect, because of God's grace, at some point in our lives, when we go to and be with him, he's going to deliver us from this imperfection, and we will be perfect, and we're going to pass on from this life into a life forever, a life that will not end, a life that is going to last forever, and how does that happen? It's by God's grace. The grace of God is the message that of God's eternal salvation through Jesus. That's grace we need to be telling everybody about grace. It doesn't matter who you are or what you are or what you've done or any of that stuff. God's grace is sufficient. His love is sufficient. His mercy is it, it endures forever. That's that is God. So that's the message that we need to be telling everybody everywhere that we go. We need to be telling them all about God's good grace about God's saving grace we need to be talking about grace everywhere that we go and how abundant that it really truly is and we can be saved from God's wrath we need to be telling everybody about that salvation and the judgment on the sin because we we've been saved from God's wrath and judgment on sin by the grace of God through Jesus so as we're telling as we're preaching the gospels we're telling Everybody about the good news of Jesus Christ, we need to let them know. And we need to let them know really fast that God is still in the saving business. God is still out, and he's still, he's still waiting to accept them into his house. As we talked about last week, about putting that robe on. He's got a robe ready for those that will accept him and let, them, let him into their lives. He's got the robes ready for them, but it requires a personal experience not through anyone else. 
you can't go through Buddha, and you ain't going to go through Joseph Smith and John Smith or whatever it was. You ain't going to be able to go through Billy Graham. You can't go through Spurgeon. You ain't going to be able to go through the preachers. That is your responsibility to go through Jesus Christ. He tells us he is the way, the truth, and the life. He says, no man cometh unto the Father but by me, but by him. So there is no other way to get to heaven but through Jesus, which means it is a personal relationship. It is a personal decision that you have to make to let him into your life and be your Savior. You have to experience it for yourself. Number two, salvation is accomplished by the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Verse 11 says, Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it is testified beforehand the suffering of Christ and the glory that should follow. That, that last part right there says, The suffering of Christ and the glory that should follow. God told the prophets there that he was going to do, or he was going to save mankind by doing two things. He said, I'm going to send a Messiah. I'm going to do something for you. I'm going to do something great for you right here. He said, I'm going to send the Messiah into the world to die for your transgressions. For your transgressions. The Messiah would take the guilt. That Messiah is going to take on the sin of the world, the sin of each and every person in the world. He's going to take it on for you, on himself, and then bear that punishment, bear that judgment of that sin for you. We still can't wrap our minds around that. How one person would be willing to do that for us. How one person could take on and bear the weight of the sin of the entire world. From way back yonder up until now. He took it on himself. Don't make sense. But that's love. That's that agape love. And secondly, he would raise up the Messiah from the dead and exalt him to the throne of God himself. The resurrection proves everything that Jesus taught to be true about himself. We know that God can't lie. We know Jesus can't lie. We know the word of God is infallible from beginning to the end. There's not a lie in the Bible. It does not, it does not contradict itself. From end to amen, it does not contradict itself. And we know who the father of all lies is, and that would be the devil. And so all the things that Jesus taught that we read through the gospel and all the things that the Holy Spirit revealed to the prophets and all the things that happened after uh, the resurrection and the ascension and when Jesus went back to, to heaven to be with God, all the things that have been taught and been preached throughout the years is all true. It's all true. And he proved it himself. That resurrection proved everything that was preached and taught by Jesus himself. And that very act of God raising him from the dead set him apart from any other person claiming to be divine. I won't harp on this very long. But you look at some of the other religions out there and the way that they put people up on the pedestal. So you go and you look at the Catholics and, and the way that they look at Mary. She's divine. That's what they think. She's just, she's just the best thing since sliced bread. Yes, she was the mother of Jesus. I understand that. She was a special person. She really was. I'll never deny that. She wasn't holy. She wasn't divine like Jesus. 
when she died, she just went on to heaven. When Paul died, he just went on to heaven. When Peter died, he just went on to heaven. When John died, he just went on to heaven. See, he wasn't, they wasn't resurrected. That's what I'm getting at. Jesus was resurrected. He died, was buried, and resurrected. All these others, and when these religions start bringing out these, these, these saints and start putting their faith in them and their acts and all that stuff, that, that's wrong. That's, that's wrong. But we can take the word of God for what it says because Jesus did exactly what Jesus said he'd do. He done exactly what God had used the prophets to prophesy about. He was born. He was persecuted. He was crucified. He was placed in the tomb. He was resurrected. And then he ascended. He's back at home with God right now. And we need to remember that. The very act of God raising him from the dead that set him apart from any other person claiming to be divine. The third thing, our salvation is proclaimed in the gospel. In the gospel. Now, this is the studying part here. This is, we've got to be cracking open the word of God and studying this right here. I think when we, when we study it out a little bit deeper and when we start looking at, especially when we get into the book of Revelation and you look at the book of John as well, this is where we have those moments where we're like, man, I am so blessed. I'm saved. I don't have to worry about the things that other people are going to have to worry about that are not saved. I'm not going to have to worry about hell. I, I'm not going to have to worry about um, eternity without God. The word gospel means good news or good tidings. It's, uh, I, I got to listening to uh, Legacy 5 yesterday a little bit while I was studying. And they, they did a, I don't know, they did a church singing. And they sang that song, it's a, it's a Grand and Glorious Feeling. I wish that was in the Red Book. <laughs> I'd love to sing that. It's a Grand and Glorious Feeling. That's what that is. It's a Grand and Glorious Message that we have for us to tell the world about Jesus Christ. The gospel, that's what that, again, it means glorious message or it means good tidings. If the gospel, or it's the gospel that if we truly believe in Jesus, then God counts our faith as the righteousness of Jesus. That's, that's what he's looking for. He's looking for us to put our faith in his son, Jesus Christ. That's all he, he's looking for that. Oh he, oh, he loves that. As the Bible tells us, when one is saved, think about all them saints that are, that are just shouting up in heaven. When one, when one lost sheep comes or is, is found. Think about what takes place in heaven when that happens. And they're able to stand before God as righteous and acceptable to him. Right now, we can't stand before God. If we're not saved, you can't stand before God. We're not acceptable. We're not acceptable. If we don't have Jesus, he can't accept us. And right now, we couldn't go on to heaven right now anyway. This body, because this is this sin-filled, and you know there's no sin in heaven. But with Jesus in our hearts, God sees us as acceptable. God counts us as having already died in the, in the death of Jesus. So having already died in Christ, we never have to die again. We, we, we might leave this earth, this old body might stay, but we'll be in the presence of Jesus. We don't have to worry about that death. We're not going to have to worry about suffering anymore once we're gone from here. We can't wait for that. Fourth and last one right here, and I'll, I'll be quiet. 
Our salvation, I love this. This this one right here is where I got a little I got a little excited about this. About our salvation. Our salvation is so great the angels are amazed. Do you ever just stop and think about angels for just just what just who they are and, and what they do and, and what they've seen, what they've experienced? Do you ever just think about just think about them? They and I think me and Keith talked about this a little bit on Wednesday night. Angels can't be saved. Have you ever thought about it that way? They just they can't be saved. They were created. God created. He created us too, but they can't experience what we can experience. And I'm not going to say angels are jealous, by no means. But they're just in awe of what we can experience because they never will, and they can't. Angels are not able to experience salvation because they are of the spiritual world. We're not. We're here. So it's up to us. It's a question. Y'all probably heard this before. And it usually, believe it or not, doesn't come from adults. I hear it from kids. And they'll ask the question, if, if the angels that, f- that followed Satan to hell would repent, would God allow them back into heaven? And, and again, I've heard kids ask this more than adults. And, you know, it makes you stop for just a second and think. I mean, the short answer is no, because it can't happen. But it makes you just stop and think just for a moment about this, about these, these angels. They're spiritual beings. They were cast down, these that, that followed Satan. They were cast down. And if you think about it, they don't have the capability to repent. Only humans have the capability to repent while we're here on earth. You go to hell, you can't repent. Those people that have died and gone on to hell, they're just there. There's no getting out of it. There's no, think about the beggar and the rich man. All he wanted, all the rich man wanted was for somebody just to tell his brothers. He wanted a drop of water. And then, and then tell his brothers about what was taking place. He, he couldn't go. I've, I've said this, and it's kind of a joke, but it's kind of serious. There's no atheist in, in hell. Because once they're there, they know there's a God. And they messed up. They can't repent at that point. That's why it's so important to be ready now. While you're here on earth, be ready now. Because once you lay... In that pine board box here in front of the pulpit, and we do your your funeral service. That's way too late. Once you're buried in the ground, it's too it's too late. Once you took your last breath here on earth, it's too late. There is no turning back. That's why now, now is the time to accept Jesus, so that you know that you're going to have a home in heaven. That you know that when you leave this place, that you are secure and you've got that new mansion, because. You don't get a second chance once you're dead. That's why we have to do it now. Once there, it does not matter how much that person repents. They can never get to heaven once they die and go on to hell. They can never get there. And the longer they're there, the further they get from God. We've been away from God in here on earth before. Some of us have, have pulled away from God sometimes. We've, got, we've, we've drifted a little bit too far from the shore, as the song says. We've got away from God. And we've realized at that point that we need him. And that's a, that's a bad place to be. We don't want to be away from God. We want to be as close to God as possible. But those that are in hell, the longer they're there, the further they get. Miserable. I cannot imagine. That's just got to be miserable for them. 
the whole hell thing has got to be miserable. So we need to prevent that. Prevent that fire. Prevent that burning. And accept Jesus now while we're this side of heaven. But what God's doing with salvation is so marvelous that the angels stand in amazement to God's workings. They are amazed. So when we talk about the one that's saved and, and the saints rejoicing over that one, it's the angels too. Man, they're rejoicing too. They're just in awe of what's taking place down here. So this morning, I'll ask you the question, are you still amazed by your salvation? I, I think of it more like this. I'm amazed that I was ever saved because I don't deserve it. I'm amazed that God sent his only begotten son to die on that cross for us. That amazes me. I'm amazed at the amount of love that God has. I'm amazed at the amount of grace that he has. God amazes me. It's amazing God. But does your salvation still amaze you? Again, most of us have never been tested. You've never been tested. You've never been to a place in your life or a place in this world too where you've been around people that are are lost and, and just they don't know about Jesus. And when I say that, I'm talking about like tribes and things like that where God and the Bible has never been introduced to them. So you don't realize how good you got it, how blessed you are, number one, live here in the U.S., to be able to worship freely like we're doing right now, to be able to walk out your house, drive down the road, walk into church, and not have to worry about being persecuted. We're blessed because we can do that. So are you still amazed at your salvation? I am. I'm in awe of what he's done for me and what he's done for my family and what he's done for this church. I just stand amazed and in awe. I'd like to say I was speechless, but you all know I'd be lying because I talk all the time. But he does. He just, he just leaves me gasping sometimes, amazed. No believer should ever treat the gospel of salvation lightly. There's a lot of things we shouldn't treat lightly. I, and I, I want to say this about this Bible right here, about our Bibles. Don't take this for granted. And I, I've said this before, and I think the older I get, the more I could see it actually happening. When the Bible tells you to take the word and store it in your heart, there's a reason behind that, because there could come a time when we're not going to be allowed to have these anymore. We are very close. So when you pick up the Bible and, and you start reading, don't just read the Bible. Start putting it right there in your heart. Because there could come a day where that's taken away from us. And we're going to need to reflect back on our memory and on our heart of what the Word of God says. So don't take it for granted that you can just pick it up. I, I, I sat in my office yesterday in my study, and I just got to looking around at, at my Bibles. I got a stack of Bibles. I got a stack of them. I take it for granted that I have a stack of Bibles. 
someday somebody could come in and take everything I got, take my commentaries, take my Bibles, take anything I've got with a Bible verse on it, take it away from me and burn it, get rid of it. It's happening right now in other places in the world. If you've never seen the video of the Chinese people when a shipment of Bibles come in, it's like a bunch of youngins at a pinata party. Man, they're flinging them suitcases open, they're ripping them Bibles out of them boxes and taking the plastic off of it, and you thought they got a million bucks. They got their Bibles because they're not allowed to have them over there. Don't take this for granted. Don't take this church for granted. Don't take your brothers and sisters for granted. We're not here very long this side of heaven. We're not, we're, don't, we're not promised tomorrow. So don't take it for granted, those that are around us. Love on them as much as you can and tell them how much you appreciate them as much as you can. We should never take the gospel of salvation lightly. It's so, the word I was looking at last night was astounding. That's a big word for me, astounding and amazing that it demands our greatest effort in studying and in witnessing. That's a big one right there, witnessing. But here's another one, praying. We need to be praying a lot harder. And I say it like this. We have access to the throne of God as believers. We have access, direct access to the throne of God. I think we've taken that for granted sometimes. We have direct access to God. So shame on us when we don't take advantage of that access. Direct access. Man, we don't have to go to nobody. We don't have to we don't have to go to nobody and say, Can you ask God for this? Or do you mind to pass this along to God? No. Go straight to him. Go straight to him. The angels are amazed at salvation. Are you still amazed at your salvation? Stand with me. We're going to close out. I got a text the other day from a preacher that I never talked to him. He's he's uh, it's Brian Miller down here at Flat Springs Baptist Church. He's he's a little old school. He don't text. He's not a texter. He probably he probably has a flip phone more than likely, and didn't know what he he's probably butt dialing me to be honest with you. Not really, because what he said it didn't stop and make me think, but it stopped and made me think for a second. And the text was very simple. It says, brother, are you saved? That's all it said. Brother, are you saved? And I thought, that's a crazy question to ask. Of course, I texted him back really fast, and I said, I know that I know that I know. And I never heard back from him, which is fine. And I got thinking about who Brian is, how he preaches, and how much he loves Jesus. Instead of him accidentally sending that to me, he probably went down his contact list and sent that to everybody. That's bold. That's kind of boldness that we need sometimes is just to be able just to step out on faith and even if it's by text, check on somebody, see how they're doing, and ask them if they're saved. I like that. said wait for the whole service <laughs> sorry <laughs> that's that's bold to be able to reach out like that so 
if you get a chance, if you ever have an opportunity just to reach out to somebody, you don't have to be as blunt as he was, <laughs> but <laughs> talk to them about their salvation. Present the gospel to them and pray with them. Pray for them and see what happens. And then you'll remember your salvation. You'll be able to give your testimony. That's what I was trying to get at. Give them your testimony and tell them about the day that you were saved and how good God is for, to you and how good it is to be saved. Let's pray. Father, this evening as we close out, Lord, we just want to thank you for another opportunity to come to your house and to witness and to worship, God, to preach and to sing and to have a time of fellowship. Lord, just to be in the presence of brothers and sisters. And more importantly, Lord, to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray today as we leave this place, God, you protect us, keep us safe. And Father, we do pray for salvation for those that are lost. God, I pray that as we leave here, that it would just burden our hearts a little bit more, knowing that there are still people in this world. There are people in this community. I guarantee you right now there's people on Squirrel Creek that are bound for hell right now. But we can stop that. Lord, I pray that you would give us direction. You would open our eyes to those that are in need of a Savior. Lord, lead us that way so that we could be a witness to them. Lord, we can pray with them. Give them that testimony. Lord, may we not take our salvation for granted. May we not take this church for granted and the love that you have for us for granted. Lord, I pray that you would give us unction. Lord, I pray that you would just give us uh, what we need to continue to get that gospel out. Lord, as we said, there's, there's no turning back once they're in hell. So, Lord, give us an opportunity, if you see fit, Lord, for us to be a witness to those that are around us and help lead them to a relationship with your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you again for what you're doing. Thank you for who you are and what you've done. And, God, we can't wait to see what you have in store for us. Bless your son's name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, hopefully we'll be back here Wednesday, and I think we're, I think it's Ruth. That's what we're studying.